Abba Yahweh, the opportunity that you allow me again. Thank you, Father, to be able to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to anyone, anyone that is willing to have an ear and listen to what you're saying. And using me as a conduit, Father, thank you for that opportunity. You bless me mightily in being able to do that. Blessing me to bless them with your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. So, this is going to be sort of, kind of, maybe a little bit of a of something I've shared with you before. But remember, something that is important bears repeating. That was an, that's an old, old, old saying that I heard. My goodness gracious, I was a... Uh, I think my earthly father used that before, and I had teachers use that before, and I had um, other leaders in organizations that I had belonged to that were using that reference pretty often. If it's important, it bears repeating. Everything that comes out of the Word of God bears repeating. And don't forget, you have a free will choice too. So getting all twisted in your knickers and sitting uncomfortably and squirming and then wanting to complain and gripe to others about it, well, guess what? You didn't have to listen and you don't have to. But your validation is not what is important to me. The fact that I am doing what God has told me to do has directed me to do and give everyone an opportunity to hear his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom that he allows me to share with you. That blesses me so much, but he's allowing me to do this. And again, I share with you, if you, if you, if you knew and had been following this uh, his podcast for a while, you see that when I first started, I had my name attached. My name isn't there anymore. And I even changed a little bit more. Remember I was talking to you about what would Jesus do and how that became so uh, watered down because it had been used so much and driven. But here I'm, I'm hearing it lately and I'm hearing pastors and preachers and other people using the phrase, what would Jesus do? What's that tell you? It should tell you something, and it's not about me, because I put that on here all the time. And, and if it's reminding them of that, then that's a good thing. This isn't anything for my laudation or pat me on the back. This is glorifying God, because what would Jesus do? How would Jesus handle, handle the situation? Or how would Jesus tell this person that? Or how would they treat this person if this was occurring and it was occurring with Jesus? We should have that thought process up here in forefront all the time. What would Jesus do? And then it became kind of a, a, it became a brunt of a joke. I don't find anything funny about it. Nothing funny at all. What would Christ Jesus, the anointed of God, what would he do in this situation? And if we are true believers and true Christians and not the label heads and self-proclaimed, if we are true believers and we are of Christ and from Christ, then 
how should we be acting? Is our Lord pleased with the way that we're treating this person or that person or dealing with this situation or that situation? And if you are not able to answer emphatically with a yes, then you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Plain and simple. If there's doubt in what you're doing and you cannot be upright, bold, courageous, and righteous about it, then you need to question what you're doing. What would Jesus do? Would he be approving or would he rebuke? And remember that if Christ rebukes, the one time that he ever rebuked anybody and got really agitated and whooped up on him was when he took the scourge and he chased out the money changers and those religious leaders that were utilizing the church as a money bank. They were stealing from the people, they were stealing from God, and they were using it as, a, as a, an exchange house and telling people that they couldn't have the sacrifice that they brought, that they had to, they had to trade in, trade up. Oh, that, that sheep isn't good, except that it had already been blessed, but they brought it to them to be blessed at the temple. And they said, oh, no, 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 not good enough. You'll have to take one of these. These, uh, these we happen to have over here in this part of the stockyard. We have these have already been blessed. So you give us that animal and give us this many denarii or this many pieces of silver, whatever they have. And you can take that one and then you take that and have it sacrificed. Because other than that, taking that animal that you have to the high, that's not going to work. And then what, what would they do? And here's, I have suspect. Okay, I have suspect. So, they didn't actually take the animals into the temple. They would give them over to somebody who delivered them to the high priest who would then, because you recall that before Christ was crucified and the veil was rent from top to bottom, ceiling to floor, there was always a separation between the Holy of Holies and the congregation. And the only one that was allowed to go in to that place was a high priest. And I hate to cause doubt and despair, but how do they know that this person wasn't in there napping and didn't stay in there for nap time? And then when the service was over, then came out and delivered whatever he was supposed to tell the people. And now I'm not saying that they were all bad and that they all did that. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is how do you know which ones were and which ones weren't? You don't. But on this particular instance, at this temple, they would take and make them trade the animals up. And then they would deliver the so-called blessed animal to the person who was going to take the high priest to be sacrificed. So then the question is, if they were watching the person go into the temple and then they just turned around and put that animal back in the pen. So how many times do you suppose that that creature was sold and resold and traded on and traded up? So then they got this whole pen full of animals that had been brought and they either resold them to someone else or they cut them. Oh, yes. They were shifty. Jesus knew it. And then, of course, there were the money changers. 
They were sitting at the table. And they were taking money and saying, oh, 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 oh. You can't use that money. Well, why not? I, it comes from, from my house and things that I saw and I made the money and bringing it to give it to God. Giving it to the church. Oh, no, 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 no. You have to have temple money because your money is still unclean and you need to put it in here and we need to take it through the holy scrubber and make sure that it's all nice and clean because you can't do that. You, we'll give you temple money. So what you do now is those three pieces of copper, you need to add another piece to that and we'll give you two pieces of temple money. But wait a minute, that's not the same. Well, sure it is, but that's temple money. Now it's clean. You don't have to worry about it. So we'll take yours, give you that, and it's good. Here, it's all good to go. Here you go. Go on your way. And when Jesus saw this taking place, oh yeah, he gave him word. He gave him word, all right? He cast them out. He took a scourge and he drove them out of there like he would drive them. Now, he wasn't beating them. Some people get this notion that Jesus was beating them. Now, Christ was beaten with a cat of nine tails. He was beaten until the flesh came from his bones and until the sinew tore away from his bones. He was beaten so severely. Christ was not doing that with them. He was driving them as you have herders drive their flocks and just giving him kind of like, ah, go that way, go that way. And he's showing him the exit. And he drove them out and he turned over the tables. Why? Because they were stealing from the people and from God. They were lying to the people and they were lying to God. So he drove them away. Liars and thieves, you've turned house of prayer into a den of thieves, and he drove them on their way. That angered him. I'm just glad he wasn't really mad because then it would have been all about, um, probably would have been about really heavenly destruction there. <laughs> and that's why he came. If you remember, it's it's bad. And it's bad now. I'm telling you, it's bad now. So, brothers and sisters, you need, we need to really pay attention. So, here's the question. And it begs to be asked. And this is relative to something I shared with you before. When God speaks, are you listening? God does speak. And throughout the scripture from Old Testament to New Testament, we're told that he speaks. It's made evident in the word that he does speak. And there also, I'm going to share this with you because there are some of these really, <clears throat> they practice this Phariseeism and I shared that word with you before. And this has to do with those that don't want to hear about the devil and this and that and the other thing. And I've also, I think I shared what that word means, Phariseeism, the belief and observance of external forms of religion without any genuine belief. So 
essentially what it's saying is that what they're telling you they don't really believe and they don't have any real clear notion of exactly how that belief is and they're full of hypocrisy. So first season, the belief in obedience and observance of external forms of religion without genuine belief, hypocrites. And that's what that means. And practicing a Phariseeism, you have that, that don't want to hear any of that. But then you have those that are practicing Phariseeism in, um, when they tell people that, uh, oh, do as, I do, do as I say and not as I do. Pay no attention to what I'm doing. And they make this production. And I want you to believe that God doesn't speak anymore. Well, wait a second. Hold on there. Let me go back in here because I'm I'm reading the Bible here. I'm I'm in the middle of John right now, and it talks about the Word of God. And oh, wait a minute! I've actually read the whole Bible. I've gone to the end of Revelation. Ah, that's right. I've done that. Sorry, I'm an old guy and I forget stuff. Now I'm being facetious. Um, but nowhere in the reading of the Bible, anywhere, any time that I've read the Bible and gone to the Bible and studied and gone back and studied again and gone back and redone and following in the rule of faith as I'm told that I should do, nowhere in the scriptures, in the word of God, in his truth, his knowledge and wisdom that he had these men and women to pen this because they didn't author it. He is the author and the finisher of this book. He breathed the Holy Spirit into them and had them write this down. But here's the thing. Nowhere has any of those men or women, nowhere from the first chapter, first verse, to the last chapter of the last verse, does it say that when it comes time to A.D. 2020 that God will no longer speak that God will no longer bestow his gifts, that God will no longer have his prophets to prophesy, that God will no longer bestow gifts of the Spirit. You have to listen to me because I'm the one. Wow. How arrogant is that? And that reminds me of that pervert that was back and forth up on stage, and it was something that the Holy Spirit was sharing with me a little earlier as I was taking notes. Um... There are prophets, and they're real. And the and there's there's um, you have some different ways that you can pastors or the leaders of a church. They are called several things in the Bible. In the scriptures, they are called angels of the church. And when Christ Jesus has John from the island of Patmos, because he goes and he visits him there, and he's visited him there several times, and um, in this first visitation, he had John to write some letters to the angels of the church in Ephesus, Corinthians, Laodicea, and he, he had him write several letters and directed them to the angels of the church. And who is he talking about when he, when he says that? He's having John to write to the pastors or the elders or the leaders of that church, the, the, the one who is specifically supposed to be leading the flock, the hireling, if you will. Remember, we've talked about hirelings. Some of them are really good and they try really hard and they, they want to follow the, the leading 
and the word of God. And they do well. And then there are others that just don't care. All they're doing is for making money. What is called lucre. The dirty money or filthy money. That's all they care about. And it becomes filthy because they're not giving it back to the church or using it to do anything for the church or anything of that nature and, and come back. They're using it to as profit. Until in their pockets. I've shared with you, I've seen that before, and oh my goodness gracious. Anyway, it's there. But then you have a man or a woman who is a prophet and listens to Rema, the specific word of God. And they are to deliver a specific message to a specific person, a specific family, a specific house. And God uses them. And they are used today, and it's real. And he speaks in different ways. But know this, when God has a prophet deliver a word to you, and um, Isaiah's a prophet, Ezekiel's a prophet, and you have Jeremiah and Daniel, um, when they're speaking openly to the nation as a whole, as a congregation, it might be rather... Boisterous, I mean, because I mean they're addressing a congregation. It's like in the vision that Ezekiel had when he was in the Valley of the Dry Bones. And as we know, that vision was the nation of Israel who had given up their hope, which we find in Ezekiel 37, 11. It says, and all our hope is, is given up for our part. Well, they just gave up hope. They didn't, they didn't follow God. They weren't listening to God. They were shaking their fists at God and they turned their back on God. So they had just given up and they had become like that valley of dry bones. And so Ezekiel was prophesying to the nation. So it was a little bit more mm, audacious. So when you have an individual though, that is gonna come running across the sanctuary or running across the foyer, hey, 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 Bob, 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 I got a word of God from God from you for you. I got the word for you and your family. Listen, listen, hold on, don't go, don't go in there yet. Wait, wait, wait. And they do things like that. First of all, God isn't going to come to a person like that. And there's several reasons why. Because, and the Spirit leads a true prophet. You have to be cautious in that because first of all, God knows that people get weirded out about things like that. He does. And it's not about that person. It's about the person that the message is being delivered to. So, reason you don't want to be so overt and make a big production about it and sound a trumpet. Hold on, John, you and your family. Wait right there and listen to me. I am a prophet and I have a word from God Almighty. Well, no, you don't. You have a word from Baba Louie, who wants to make his, his presence known and for his validation and make sure that everybody is paying attention. Remember what Christ Jesus told us about them? They have the reward. It's not for the glory of God and it's not for any edification. It's not for the uplifting, exhorting or anything of that nature. It is simply for their 
reward so that people will see them and that so people will know that there's something that they think they are when they're really not. For, val for vaunting is what the Bible calls that. They want to vaunt their position and they want to make themselves more authoritative than what they really are. And truthfully, they have no they have no authority. They're exercising what is a feigned or a fake authority, and they want people to make sure that they see them. Just like Christ is telling us, when they get out in the street and they make a really loud scene and draw attention from everyone else, rather than approaching God and being respectful and being humble and being true to God, they have their reward. Their reward is already received. And this immediately reminded me of that um, pervert I shared with you before when he talks about John 3.16 is not given correctly and that he's going to rewrite it because it's wrong. Well, as I remember him, he's, he's making this kind of a, I don't even know how to describe it really, um, it's kind of like a vaudevillian parade back and forth on the stage. Oh, in case some of you don't know what vaudeville is, back back a long time ago, they they did these uh, what they what they used to call them? nickel shows, dollar shows, something. You know, anyway, back in this was kind of depression time, and and long time ago vaudeville, and you could go in and get, and you could sit in and watch a play, and it was really cheap and musicals and thing, and there were. There were uh, many, actually, actors and actresses that got their start in vaudeville. Anyway, um, so he was doing this vaudevillian-type routine, back and forth on the stage, making a big production of himself. And and I could tell there was no wind or breeze or anything in the auditorium. They were inside. But back and forth, and he was he would make a, a movement with his hand so his the scarf that he was wearing would look like it was blowing in the wind, that he was moving across the stage so fast. Well, he was making a production so that people would pay attention to him and not to the word that was being shared. But most importantly, is that what he was sharing was an absolute lie anyway. And it was not the word of God. It was not from God. It wasn't even from scripture. He just made reference to John 3.16 and he didn't even use it in context. So, Christ also teaches us, and if we read in Matthew 24, you can find that he warns us in several different spots through the passage that there will come those who will lie, cheat, and steal, and look to deceive, and that we must be careful because even the elect will be deceived. What does that mean? Who are the elect? Well, if you are a believer or claim to be, you are the elect because you're a member of the body of Christ, the church, and that there are individuals that are deceived. And I've already shared that with you. I shared with you before when I was talking about the warning of the enemy and that they don't want to hear about that. They only read certain books of the Bible. They don't like reading certain books of the Bible because they consider it doom and gloom. Well, excuse me, if Christ Jesus is talking about 
his second coming. And he's talking about how the world is going to be deceptive and how things are in this world as it was in the days of Noah. Have you read scripture and know about what it was like in the days of Noah? It was terrible. There was fornication, orgies, drinking to drunkenness, beating, stealing, robbing, and they were mugging people in the street, dragging them down the alleys and just beating them nearly to death or to death for what? For literally nothing. There was raping. Oh, yeah. And we're not talking just about, and the carnality. We're not talking just men and women. Oh, goodness gracious. It was, you think that things are are going on now and you have this thing. They're, brothers, let me tell you, they're, they were worshiping Ishtar back then and they're worshiping Ishtar now in this country. They just have a different name for it. And the prophets try to speak against us and speak the word. But when he speaks, are you listening? And God uses prophets. But they're not making a big deal like this guy was up on the stage. He's got his reward. He wants people to pay attention. Oh, look at me. I've got my fancy scarf and I'm parading back and forth. And I'm an important person because I say so. God doesn't say so. And you're going to have your reward if you don't repent and ask for forgiveness of the Lord God Almighty, whose authority you are flaunting and you're lying about. He's got a gift for you. And it's um, the off switch doesn't work on the heating part of that element. So you might have a complaint about that. Does that sound sarcastic? It's supposed to. This person is treating the word of God as if it's not relevant and that he's, it's being taught wrong. Why? Because he doesn't think that it should be taught that way. Well, I beg to differ. And he also didn't take it in context. He didn't read the whole thing in context. He took it just two verses and stopped right there. And he didn't even get it right. God loves us so much that Christ was manifest and came as a man and walked on the face of this earth. He was born as a baby. He grew up and he began teaching in the temple as a boy. And remember when they were getting ready to um, and they were getting ready to leave Jerusalem because they were looking to kill him. And they had, had to come for census and do the things that they were, they were doing. And, and they lost track of, they lost track of him. Couldn't find him. They thought that he was with the caravan, but he wasn't. And Mary, sweet Mary, she fell into motherness, mothering, Fell into mothering? Yeah, okay. She fell into mothering, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And she she went full-blown mother. Joseph, where's, where's Jesus? I thought you said, well, I thought he was with the other children. Well, why didn't you check? Mary, I was tending to our and, and taking care of you. Well, that's no excuse. You're taking care of me. It's no excuse for not paying attention. Where Jesus? Where is he? 
oh, I haven't seen him since Jerusalem. Oh, my gosh. So now they go back, and it was actually three days, and they get back, and where was Jesus? And they began to rebuke Jesus for what he had done, but what was what was Jesus doing? Anyone read the story, or maybe you haven't heard, so I'm going to show you. So Jesus was paying attention and sharing the word of God. Our Heavenly Father had spoken, and he was obeying. And Mary didn't understand at first his answer. He said, I was about my father's business. Which is puzzling to her, because she had not heard him speak that way before. Joseph understood. And then, and then Mary understood. And then she took the mother load down a little bit than where it was. And she wasn't quite so fervent with his mothering, her mothering. But she just loved, loved him. And understood that he was following what his father told him to do. And he was in the temple as a boy teaching scripture and teaching with authority. Here, see, here's the difference. And this is where it began to annoy the Pharisees and also members of the Sanhedrin because they, what was funny about them, and I've shared this with you before, is they didn't follow the word of God. They didn't listen at all. And they actually had to have a committee of judges that were between them to um, keep them from fighting because they would get into such heated arguments. And these judges had to, referee to keep them from going to blows because sometimes it got really bad and they all they they each had this political agenda that they were chasing and it was really nothing about the church and this is this is why Christ talked about the hypocrisy and when he spoke to us about that the whitewashing and the uh, leaven of uh, the hypocrisy from the Pharisees and why he warns us about that and how I've shared with you about that attitude that people in the church today that practice Phariseeism, and they do. <clears throat> They've got no real interest in the word of God, but here's the thing. You're not going to make a big production out of delivering God's word. When God gives you a specific word, rema, to deliver, you deliver it respectfully, you deliver it humbly, be bold, be truthful, but also respectful because the person is going to be somewhat taken aback. So you approach them cautiously with this. Yes, it's a word from God, but you also have to remember that you must respect others. Be kind and compassionate. You don't know what this person has been through. Maybe they've had some people that did some really, really pretty, nasty, despicable things all in the name of the church. So you have to be careful with them. You want to treat them with love. So you approach them and say, you know, I was I was doing my Bible study this morning or last night and, and I had this specific thing word came to me and and I'd like to share that with you because I think it's for you if that's okay. 
And if it's okay, I would like to pray with you first. And then you pray with them. Or, you know, if they don't want to hear it, then you don't try to force it on them. You do not, do not, do not force prophetic word on these individuals. Do not do that. Because then you're just fueling the fire that they may have already had gone through. And they don't want to be burned again. So you don't force it on them. You deliver it kindly, compassionately, and do it the way you're supposed to. Because let me tell you this about that. If it is truly a word from God, God and the Holy Spirit are not going to have you deliver it like some kind of Rambo and busting down the door with a battering ram so you can get it and shove it down their throat. Because that's not what God and the Holy Spirit are about. There's a time and a place for everything. And when you're delivering prophetic word that comes from God, it's not going to be that way. I guarantee that. So, anyone can be a prophet. But a true prophet that hears and listens and obeys Rema, specific word of God, as it is given is one who serves God and not themselves. So are you going to beat your chest and go coming in with a blaring of trumpets and drums and all kinds of noise to deliver the word of God? Yeah. So we are reminded again that God speaks. And as I've shared with you already, I find nowhere in the scriptures at all does it speak about Anton Domini, God stopped speaking, 2020. Anton Domini, it stops. There's nowhere in the Bible that speaks that. And what that means is that after Jesus Christ died, God stopped talking to us. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say 2020 God is not going to talk to us anymore. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is not going to pour out the Holy Spirit on us anymore. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is going to stop manifesting his spiritual healing through people's touching others and praying over them in the name of Jesus Christ. Nowhere does it say that. Nowhere. In the Bible, does it say that God does not give us gifts of the Spirit anymore? So you have people that are preaching falsely, lying, deceiving people, saying that God doesn't do that anymore. In this church, we don't, we don't worship that way. Well, then you're not worshiping the true God. Ooh, is that getting some knickers twisted? So it should. If you're worshiping God and you're doing as God has you to do, then you should be sharing that in truth. And if you are a prophet, a true prophet, and you have specific word for someone, you do it the way the Holy Spirit directs you to do so. You do it the way God tells you to do so. And he's not going to have you going down the aisles, beating a big old bass drum and clanging the cymbals or blaring a trumpet and screaming out there that, John and his family need to listen, or Mary and her family need to listen, or Joan and her family need to listen, or John needs to listen to you. He doesn't do that. And he's not definitely not going to have you do that in the midst of a congressional worship service. Or, sorry, congregational worship service. Let's back out of Congress. They're, they're a mess anyway. Sorry. Um, 
He's not going to have you do that in the middle of a congregation. Remember, God is not the author of confusion. That's Satan's job. And he does it pretty well. He's, he's, he takes his job to heart and he's, he wants to confuse you. He wants to deceive you. And he's in a warfare for your very soul. And the Bible reminds us of that. And it's real and it's true. So you better pay attention because it's out there. So I'm going to go over here and following the rule of faith. I'm going to go to, oh, sorry about that. I am going to go to I had that marked. Why did I mark that, Father? I don't know. There's something something here. I put a marker in there, but I didn't mark specific. So the Holy Spirit pointed something out to me. I'm sorry. He's showing me right now. Sorry. I do apologize. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Well, wait a second. That's the Old Testament. That indicates that God speaks. Yes, he does. And yes, he did and does. <clears throat> and I have in Isaiah 63 and verse 8, for he said, Surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. For he said, Isaiah is a powerful prophet of God, by the way. And he listened when God directed him. And he heard when God told him and directed him to do things. He obeyed and he paid attention. And he is very powerful. And I'm going to share this other because this is This is something that he's shared with me repeatedly. And this is in Isaiah 61 and 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he hath covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, 
and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. God has shared this with me. And if you are a true believer and you follow the word of God, you heed the word of God and you listen and obey. Well, So, this other scripture that I want to share with you too, uh, this, I'm getting a little, I'm jumping tracks here a little bit. I, I apologize, but sometimes it happens when I'm, I just go with what the Spirit, and the Spirit allows me to do that, which is good because He knows I'm sharing the truth. And that's okay. Enough, enough said about that. Um, so, we're going to go over here to Matthew um, Matthew 4, verse 3. And this is, actually, I'm going to to start in, in the first verse. And this is when Christ was baptized and then he was taken out into the wilderness. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward unhungered. Let me refresh your memories and share this with you again, and I'm going to do it anyway. When Jesus came here on this plane of existence, because he walked in this plane of existence the same as any other man, He was a man. He got hungry. He stubbed his toe. He got tired. He got agitated. He got frustrated. He got all those temptations and everything that happened to man. He went through these things. It wasn't that the angels were carrying him around everywhere he went and that he was protected of all these things. He had rocks thrown at him. He got spat on. And the the angel didn't come over there and put his shield up in front of him and keep that rock from hitting him or keep that uh, horse apple or the donkey apple from hitting him. That happened a few times. And when he walked away from the disciples and went out to pray on his own and he didn't let him follow him, things like this happened. Jesus was a man. Okay. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God speaks. Are you listening? And let me remind you and share with you yet again, nowhere in the Bible that does it say that God stops speaking in 2020, 2022, 2023, 2024. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that a specific anon domini 2000 and anything does God stop 
Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. If you turn your back on him and you stop listening and you refuse to follow his directives and his commandments and tenets, then you are the ones who have stopped. God doesn't stop. And you know what? He doesn't go away. He politely stands back and waits for you to come to rational thought and say, Father, forgive me. I I was listening to the devil. And he knows that already. And he knows that already. And down here, I'm going to jump down here to verse 11, Matthew 4, 11. Well, actually, I'm going to go to 10. Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for this is, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. After he had done with Satan, and Satan took off. Then the angels came. The angels came after it was done. And then they ministered, got him food and water. This is also very important. And we find this in Matthew 6, 9. And Jesus is teaching us how to pray. It's often called the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is very important and you need to pay attention and I'm going to expound on this. So, give us this day our daily bread. What is Jesus telling us? God's not going to feed us physically. Not with the way that we think it is. What is he talking about? He's talking about the daily word given to us to guide us, to teach us, to lead us. Now you have to remember, the Bible, the word of God, has been described before as the bread of life. It's been called that. And Jesus has been called our bread, our portion. I've shared this with you before in discussing the, the name Bethlehem and Bethlehem, uh, depending on the pronunciation and what language you're speaking. It's called the house of bread or the house of meat. But here we go to John 1, one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. <coughs> Pardon me. What are they talking about? talking about Christ very specifically we're talking about God's being in unity with Christ and Christ's divinity or his being of a divine nature and further reading we come down here um, and they're talking about John there was a man sent from God whose name was John the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, leading and preparing those to come to Christ, but not Christ. He was anointed of God, but he wasn't Christ Jesus. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, and to them that believe on his name. which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him, cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. That right there sums up Christ Jesus pretty much in a nutshell, as they say. So he's teaching us to be seeking that daily bread, not as physical food, but spiritual food. And it is the word of God. And will be delivered. All you have to do is ask for it. Remember I shared this with you before. You have not because you ask not. But also know that there is prophetic word that is delivered. And honor those that bring that to you. And those that bring that, don't be so vain and thinking that it's all about you because it's not. If you're carrying the word of God, you carry it like the ambassador from the kingdom of heaven that you are intended to be. And you deliver the truth because it's his truth, not your truth. And if you're trying to bend it so that it fits your way and that you are vaunted above others, then you have already received your reward. And I warn you, don't act that way because it's not a going to be a good thing. Be truthful. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, period. And if you are claiming to be 
A servant of God, then be a servant of God. And what's a servant of God do? This would make you, you don't run around with these special little garments, these special little doodads on there, and you have these nice scarves that flutter in the breeze. It's not what that means. Servants of God serve other people. And remember when Christ got down on his knees and he went and he washed the disciples' feet, and what did Peter do? Peter tried to sell him, oh, no, 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 don't do that, you can't do that. And what did Jesus, what was the first thing that Jesus did? Jesus rebuked him for that. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. And Jesus gave him a, a stern but gentle warning. He said, if you don't allow this, then you have no part with me. He had to kind of, he took, Peter was special. And he told Peter that. But he also treated Peter differently. He didn't just slap him around and chase him away. He was giving Peter that thing that I shared with you before, that food for thought. If you don't let me do this, then you have no part in me. And then he let it go and he went ahead and he washed Peter's feet. Do you think Peter was thinking about what he said? Oh, you betcha. You betcha he was. Brothers and sisters, think about these things that I share with you. It's God's truth. This isn't about me. This isn't to vaunt my position or make me anything other than what I am. And that is a servant of my Lord, my God, to deliver his truth, his knowledge and his wisdom. And I am blessed by it. I am blessed by the fact that he allows me to do this. I am blessed by the fact that he has allowed me to age the way he is and to be able to share his word. Brothers and sisters, I have things that are going on that are just... Um, Sometimes I feel really broken, but it power, it's power because he walks with me, he talks with me, he guides me, he holds me up, and I get to share and be part of something so fantastic, so precious and so dear, and I get to give and share this with everyone, that you have an opportunity to be part and in the kingdom of heaven, you have an opportunity to be an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. How powerful is that? You can be an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. How powerful is that? You have ambassadors that talk all this stuff about their marketing and the shops and all these things about different countries to get you convinced to either move there or come and visit and come and spend your money. But what God gives is free. All you have to do is believe that Jesus came and died for you and have faith in God and have the Holy Spirit to guide you. You can do it here now. Jesus, come into my life. Change my life. Give and take these, take these addictions that are in my life. Make me new. I believe that you came for me. I believe you came to do that. Father God, I will have faith in you. You are my heavenly father. Holy Spirit, come and guide my steps. In Jesus' name, I pray these things, amen. And it's done. Believe and have faith and pray and go to his word and seek his truth. Now, you could have either done it right there with me then, you can do it as we 
share the word. Or you can do it at a church. If you go to church, you can go down there when they have an altar call. You go down there and have somebody pray with you. If you have a very close acquaintance or a dear friend and you feel comfortable and you have them pray with you, you can do it with them. But all you need to do is do it. And you can do it all by yourself. You can even do it at a lunch hour at work. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers every day, going out and coming in. Be blessed.